Hello and welcome to another Expert Insights show. Each show, your host Donna Hansen interviews an expert on the latest trends, ideas, philosophies and approaches that impact on productivity, performance and profit both in business and personally. And now, here's your host, Donna Hansen. In this Expert Insights episode, we speak with David Penglaze. David is a behavioural scientist with degrees in, wait for it, human resources development and business, an MBA, a Master's in Professional Ethics, a Master's of Science in Applied Positive Psychology. He's also the author of five books, including The Art and Science of Building Customer Trust and Intentionomics. He's an avid fisherman a keen guitarist, but more importantly, a really well-respected professional speaker and educator. Welcome, David. Thanks for coming on the show today. So lovely to be speaking with you, Donna. Terrific. Now, look, before we start, I'd like to know, how did you end up honing down your interest in business to the importance of trust? I'm sort of guessing as a kid, you probably didn't wake up one morning thinking, gee, I'm passionate about trust. (laughs) You're absolutely right. Um, as a kid, it was the last thing on my mind. Um, and I, I probably shouldn't go into how I was as a kid in terms of my trustworthiness, I'm not sure. Um, it, it, it is an interesting sort of way of where I've landed. Um, and it was a series of um, specific academic uh, ventures, really. What happened, what happened was um, when I was doing my first degree, which as you just mentioned was a degree in business, but it was majoring in the psychology of adult learning, human resource development. And and one of the principles of adult learning was the importance of the learner trusting the content, trusting Mm -hmm. the educator, but also trusting the outcome. So one of the things that I really started to study while I was studying that degree was this connection between uh, the learner um, and the teacher, and, and that whole trust thing from there. Um, and, and then when I went in to do my MBA, where I focused on leadership and trust, uh, so that, that led me to that, you see. So, so yeah. all of a sudden, academically, and this was, that was back in um, my 20s. Uh, so then in my 30s, when I did my MBA uh, around leadership and trust, I, 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 I got really quite upset during my MBA uh, because in the entire MBA course, Donna, you ready for this? There was not one topic on ethics. Wow. Uh, now, again, this, is, this was back in my 30s, which is some <laughs> 30 years Last ago. Last week. Yeah, I know. Thank you. <laughs> uh, but um, that really disturbed me. So when I, while I was looking at trust in leadership or leadership trustworthiness, actually, um, at the end of the MBA, I went and sourced another degree because I, I was still, there was something that was still missing. And so I did this, uh, as you, again, as you mentioned, um, I, I did a master's degree in professional ethics. And, and this is where it all started to come together for me. Um, mm-hmm. As I was studying the philosophy side of ethics, um, I've, I've, Aristotle was one of the key ones that we were, you know, we were researching. Mm-hmm. And, and these words, I'd just become a father for the second time, and these words written by Aristotle jumped off a page to me. And what he said was that um, our actions and our behaviours are our morals shown in conduct. Mm-hmm. That, that everything we say and everything we do sends loud and clear messages to the world about who we are and what we represent. 
and and this this became a real applied thing for me. Our morals shown in conduct, our ethics shown in conduct, our values shown in conduct. And it was while I was studying that that master's degree, I fell across this book written by a lady by the name of um, uh, Elizabeth Anscombe, and the book was called or titled Intention. Now, this is where it becomes really interesting. Well before, so this is, she wrote this book in the 50s. And, and this is before, um, well, probably before Simon Sinek was even born. But here's what she said. Whenever we think about intention, we, we ought not just to think about what we intend to do or how we intend to do it, but we must give consideration to why we are doing it. Sound familiar? Oh, yeah, very familiar. <laughs> I wonder if that was on uh, Simon Sinek's reading list. Don't know, don't know, but it just goes to show how solid and the way that he encapsulated that was just genius. Mm. But as I'm, as I'm researching that, what I, so I'd finished that degree and then I'll, I started this uh, uh, master's degree in applied positive psychology. Now, I, I know it sounds like I'm always at, at, at university. It's, I'm a lifelong learner. But there was still something missing for me because when I looked at the, the what and the how and the why, it seemed to me there was a missing link with this. Um, and as I was studying the applied positive psychology degree, what I really focused in on was this, what I call the fourth element um, of intention. And so this is where it all came together, Donna, that, yep. that, that the core of everything, there was still something missing. So when we look at intention, it's not just what we do or how we do it. It's, it's more than just knowing why we do it. And this fourth element, which is, and we might touch on this as we chat, this fourth element that I started to really research was the impact that our intentions have on others, not just on us. So when you add those four together, the what we do, the how we do it, and the why we do it, but then you really focus in on, but what impact is this going to have on all stakeholders? Now what you've got is a, a really dynamic way of looking at intentional trust. And so that's how the whole thing came together. It's far more holistic, isn't it? And rounded, whereas... Um, the uh, the other three elements are a little bit more logical, but with anything related to trust and intention, there's an element of emotion attached to it. Oh yeah, yeah. But the other thing too, Donna, and this is this is where the science becomes really important. Um, that I can have a why, I can have a really big why, but my big why may actually be about me. Mm. And if my big why is driven by what I can get for me and not what I can do for others, then other people pick up on that truth. And so when we start to look at intentionality and when we think about some of the stuff that's happened, you know, pre-COVID um, with the Royal Commission, for example, into the, the finance industry, um, you know, uh, banking and superannuation and all that kind of stuff, th that that people were clear on what their intention was, but their intention had nothing to do about the impact it was going to have on customers. Mm. On share, it was all it was all about them, um, and, and about not being caught. 
yeah, inwards facing as opposed to outwards you got serving. It. Yeah. Yep. Awesome. That's that's great. Thank you. And and yeah, I can I can see how the curiosity factor would have grown because I certainly am a lifelong learner as well. Hence I'm in the technology space because it never stops. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I get it. <laughs> now it's strange times at the moment with um a global pandemic that depending on when people are watching this, we might be sort of easing our way out of it, but it's gonna be a, a long time coming. What have you observed during this time from a, a trust perspective about how leaders and how people are, are dealing with this globally? Do you know, one of the one of the, the biggest things that's happened because of this is there has been an almost imposed trust that that because so many people were forced to work remotely the trust that leaders have had for many years or the lack of trust that leaders have had for many years in letting their people work remotely now you've got to come into the office I don't trust you you've got to clock in at nine and leave at five or as it's over the years it became eight and six and you know that's another story for another day Absolutely. Um, but, <laughs> but but this what I refer to as imposed trust um, is is a really interesting thing to to realize it's changed the way the world will be forever in terms of the way we work and what we know from the research and this is some research that's just happened um, recently uh, that, that what we know now is when a leader has struggled with working remotely they will struggle to trust their people to work remotely but where a leader has found the remote working quite successful for them, that they've been comfortable and confident with it, they are more likely to trust their remote workers because of that experience. So that's one of the key shifts that has happened and will, will change the way we work because all of a sudden, um, you know, just before we, we started, Donna, that, that um, we were chatting about my son who's over in Sweden. Now, now he, he has been working remotely before COVID hit, but now he's working remotely almost full-time, whereas only part-time before. So this is something that we're going to be watching. This idea of um, imposed trust has actually created um, a, a, a way for us to move forward uh, and, and be able to work differently. So that's one of the first things. The second thing that I've been watching um, around trust especially um, is this whole fake news thing? Who, who, what can we trust? Who can we trust? And and so many people now are are getting their, if you like, their news feed through social media. But interestingly, what we know is most people also know most people also know that what they see on social media may not be true, and yet that's where they're getting their source of news from. It's a real, it's a real, it's a real paradox. Um, so they're two of the the main things that I'm seeing around the whole trust issue. Mm. I think what you say about leaders uh, is quite logical and it comes back to the principles of adult learning in that, you know, how I learn uh, is how I often think other people learn. And so if I'm effective working remotely as a leader, I assume you're going to be just as effective, but that's not necessarily the case. So that yeah. opens up a, a big can of worms for leaders, doesn't it? Yeah, well, it does. It, it it's also a new skill set, and and this is look, I 
as an adult educator, you know, in the, especially in the corporate space, um, this is not easy. I mean, what we're doing now, Donna, isn't easy. This is a whole new skill set, the way that we meet and the way that we talk. I mean, the fact that I've got to look at a camera rather than look at your eyes on the, on the screen, that, that's, that's a new skill. Um, the way that we're going to be meeting with our, um, our teams remotely uh, in, in the future, not just now, yeah. um, these are new skills that um, leaders are going to need to uh, embrace, get good at, and get good at quick mm. uh, because it's now. Um, and, and so, there's again, this whole idea of can I trust myself as a leader to step up into that space as well. Um, so, yeah, it's an interesting time. You're absolutely right for leaders. Yeah, and I, I think a lot of the time too, um, you know, sometimes leaders may feel that their learning stops when they reach, reach that point and their job is to feed down their expertise. But realistically, this is challenging them to continue to learn and, like you said, embrace because you either change or you're forced to change. Yeah. Or you moved out because you're not getting the results that you needed because uh, the measurement tools um, you can no longer respond to. Yeah, uh, look, uh, but n no one should think that this is this is easy, you know, because it, for a lot of people it, 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 it's a real struggle. Um, yeah. and, and and I, I I've got to say that that's where um, and we may talk about this you know as we go forward, but. Um, one of the most important lessons, I think, with all of this in the corporate space especially, but in any business, small business, medium, large, um, is that what's going on here is, apart from the horrible deaths and, and, and illness that, that you know, globally we're experiencing, apart from that, what this is, and, and again, it comes down, it's got a lot to do with you know, this concept of trust and intention, is that people matter. And I know that, that that's, it sounds so trite mm -hmm. um, because we can read on uh, a lot of corporate uh, uh, their, their, their websites but also oh, in their... Statements. Yeah, yeah, it, it's, yeah, the, the customers are important and our people are important. Well, right now, we're really finding out whether that's true or not. Yeah, because, if the rubber hits the road. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. So, strange question, David, but how do you establish trust, particularly in business? I'm, I'm guessing it's sort of a building blocks type process in much the same way as you build respect with somebody you work with? Yeah. Okay. So, let's explore this and, and this could take us anywhere. Um, <laughs> first of all, and I know you and I, you and I have both used the word trust. In, in the world right now, trust is not the issue. It's trustworthiness. It's are we worthy of trust? Mm -hmm. And so your question around how do you go about building trust, this, this is the right question. Unfortunately, what a lot of organisations are doing because of what they've done in the past is how do we rebuild trust? Now, what that means is that they've stuffed up. They've made some kind of mistake either intentionally or unintentionally, and we'll talk about that in a minute, but um, in, t in terms of the building blocks of trust, there are some steps. And we know this, this is, although it's, it's quite practical, 
Um, there's some real science behind all of this. And the first step towards trust is to get clear about your intentions. Now, this becomes so important. Um, when I work with organisations, especially with leaders, um, but also their teams, I get them to focus on three lenses of trust. And the first lens of trust is self-trust. Because, and you know, if you think back through all of the philosophy uh, that I know you studied and that, that, that we, we hear things like, um, you know, start with, start with yourself and then you can move on to other people. Know thyself, all, all that stuff. So, so self-trust is a lot of things, but we, we, can, we can narrow it down to the confidence that we have in who we are, what we are, and why we are. But it's also having the control, the discipline uh, to manage ourselves and our environment as well. So we need to look through that first lens of self-trust. Can I trust myself? Because um, what I know <laughs> from the research that I've done is that if I ask most audiences, do they trust themselves? Uh, nearly everybody puts their hand up and say, yeah, yeah of course I do. But wh then when I ask them, um, has anyone ever let themselves down? Well, the, the, it shifts a little bit and they're looking around the room to see who's going to put their hand up and people sort of start to put their hand, yeah, you know, whether it's the, that extra glass of red wine or in some case bottle um, uh, <laughs> or whether it's the extra chocolate or, or, or whatever, we, you know, that we didn't have that conversation that we needed to have, we've let ourselves down. So, so the first lens of trust is self-trust. But then there's another lens and that second lens is um, the courage that we require and the collaboration mindset uh, and skill set that we require to trust others. And this, this is what we've already started to talk about, Donna. You know, can we trust others to work re remotely? Can I trust others in my team to have my back even though we're not around each other anymore? Can I trust this other person to complete the task on time? Because if they don't, um, my integrity is at risk or the project is at risk. Um, so so it's, it's this courage, because there's a risk, the, the courage and the collaboration to trust others. And, and unfortunately, what some people have adopted is this almost like, um, you know, if you want to trust somebody, just trust them. Well, sure, I kind of agree with that, but blind trust is just dangerous trust. You, you want to hold people accountable for any trust that you give them. Um, because it is, it's, it's a pretty important thing to give someone your trust. Um, and, and so what you need to do is not just blindly trust them and, and hope that they make the deadline. You stay in contact, and this is the language of trust. You're not looking over their shoulder. You're saying, hey, is there anything I can do? And, 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 and you know, how are things progressing? Um, can I help you in any way? These are the kinds of uh, collaborative questions that leaders need to be asking of their teams and team members need to be asking of each other. So the third lens of trust, which is really what we're here to talk about, but all of these are important, um, is the, the lens of trustworthiness or our um, earning others' trust. And this is three things. It's a combination of our character, of our competence, but also our consistency in the way that we demonstrate our character and our competence. You see, you can be a person 
I mean, I don't mean you, Donna, but, but anybody could be a, yeah, <laughs> anybody could be a person of you know good character. And look, that's another rabbit hole we could go down in, into. What does that actually mean? Because character is demonstrated. It's not just something we have. It's demonst demonstrated. But you could be a person of good character, um, but you may not have the competence to do what I need you to do. So therefore, I won't trust you, even though you may be a person of integrity. Uh, but you could also have all the competence that I require, the resources, the products, the services, the whatever it is. But the way that you do what you do gives me a question about your character or your culture, uh, corporate-wise. Uh, therefore, I won't trust you. So it's the consistency of those two things. So just having good character every now and then and just having competence every now and then isn't enough. We have to be consistently demonstrating. So when we look at the world through those three lenses of trust, now all of a sudden we can have much more meaningful conversations. But then we start to apply what are the steps towards trust. And that starts with our intention. And so our intention, like I mentioned earlier on, is a clarity of what we want for other people, not just what we want from them or for ourselves. And look, there's a whole bunch of science around this that's so compelling. Um, and you, you'll, you'll need to guide me here, Donna, because I, I can talk, as you can tell, I can talk about this, you know, in depth. But there's something I really do want to share. And, and, and that is this, that, that when, we, when we do look at, um, especially in, in the way the world is at the moment, um, where, where there's a lot of people working remotely. This, this, this first step, intention, being clear about what you want for other people. You see, there's a kind of an altruistic element to that, Donna. Do, do you get what I mean? Yeah, absolutely, particularly yeah. at the moment. Yeah, yeah. So, so if, if, here's what we know from the science, and this is what really excites me. But people that work remotely have to have self-trust. Absolutely. Okay, so they, they, they need to look at themselves through this third lens. So I'm talking about self-trust, the confidence that we have in who we are and the control that we have in what we do. But the, then when you jump to earning others' trust, we're looking at ourselves through that same lens as well. Can I trust myself? Can I earn my own trust? Have I got the character? Have I got the competence? And am I demonstrating that consistently? So what we know from the science is this. We need people to be trusting themselves when they're working remotely. Um, the language around that scientifically is they need to have a sense of self-determination. And there's some wonderful research by Decky and Ryan around this. However, here's the connection that I want to make because one of the questions that I'm constantly being asked is how do we build self-trust in our employees so that when they are working remotely, that they feel proud about who they are and that they do have this confidence and control. Well, here's why the first step towards trust starts with intention. What we know from the science is this, that when people have what I refer to an applied positive intention, applied meaning, I don't just have an intention to do good for other people, but I actually do good for other You're people. Deliver on yeah. your promise. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so um, 
what we know is people that have this and do this, so that they genuinely have a customer focus and they live up to that customer focus, what we know is there is an association, a strong association in it building their sense of um, autonomy, which is one of the three core components of self-determination. So, so to start trust in any organisation, you've got to start with self-trust, but you've got to start with intention. Am I clear about and am I genuine about wanting to make the world a better place? That, that's really, and I know that sounds like I'm on a mountain and, you know, singing hymns and stuff, but, but what, 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 what I'm really talking about here is this genuine, this, this genuine approach to our lives, personal and professional, about when I'm here, I, I, I want to... I want to do good work. I want to do something that makes a difference for my customers, for my clients, for my colleagues, for my leader, for whoever it is. Because what we know is most of the time, not always, but when we do great work for other people, make their lives better, we get a lot more in return as well. So we start with intention. And if I'm clear about what I want for other people, not just what I want from them, now I can get clear about what I can and what I cannot promise them. And this is one of the biggest mistakes in the trust um, steps that people um, have in the corporate world. They make promises they can't keep. And, and at a micro level, these can be something as simple as, I'll give you a call, but you don't. Um, I'll get back to you next week, but you don't. Um, th these micro moments of trust, these moments of trust where people over a period of time, they start to get in their mind, oh, I get your truth. I, I get who you are. You, I, you say all the right things, but you let me, you're constantly letting me down. So when we're clear about what we can and what we cannot promise, now we can set and manage expectations. So the first step, Donna, is intention. Now once we're clear on intention, we can take the second step and get clear about what we can and what we can't promise. And once we're clear about that, then we can take the third step on the actions, intentional actions, to fulfill those promises. And so this is why the, the, these are sequential. But sometimes you've got to go backwards and forwards, and that's okay, up and down the steps. But what this, the, the, the main thing about our actions is that we are transparent in our actions. Mm. Not only do we need to be doing good things, we need to be seen to be doing good things. And mm. when, we, when we do that, then we take the, the next step, which are the results that we achieve, intentional results. And, and if we're not, getting the results, achieving the results that we intended, we've got to take a step back to look at our actions. And if we're not doing the things that we need to do, we've got to take a step back and look at what our promises were, what we can and can't promise. And if we're not doing that right, we've got to go all the way back to, do we really have a strong intention to make life better for our customers, our clients, our, our suppliers, whoever it is? Because then the final step, we go intentions to promises to actions, to results, the next step is trustworthiness. And that's the whole element of relationships at work. And, and so there, you know, when, when people start looking at how do I build trust, that's the proactive method of building trust rather than where a number of corporates have found themselves right now, and that is reactively looking at how do we regain trust. And let me tell you, regaining trust is much harder than proactively earning, building, and maintaining trust.
So here's some things that, that I thought about and observed as, as you were going through all of that. Um, uh, first of all, there's a real spotlight on self-trust at the moment in the current environment, isn't yeah. there? So <laughs> in the past, it had, it had maybe been a, a bit... Um, is esoteric the right word? Just sort yep. of loose and... But now the spotlight's on it. You know, if you're working from home, um, the expectation is you can get away with not doing something for a day or two, but the longer you're working from home, the more you have to deliver on results. So that requires you to have um, self-trust. So we're finding people who, you know, you and I would have met who said, oh, no, look, I could never work from home, now finding that they have no choice but to do it and they have to create a structure for themselves to to be able to deliver on the on the things that they've done. Um, the other thing it made me think about was the great book by uh, Jan Carlson, was it? Moments of Truth, the yeah. um, Scandinavian Airlines, and and how you know the um, uh, the connection to trust and how those moments of truth that he talks about in that book and how they equate um, quite obviously to the building of trust. And, and a brand. And then the third thing that I was thinking of is, you know, there's a lot of organisations where during this time um, you look at how they're um, becoming a little more uh, or showing much more empathy to their customers and we're proactive and on the front foot. So uh, companies like um, insurance companies where you would not necessarily expect them to come to the fore and be um, supportive and forthcoming, but offering to, um, you know, to hold payments, to push things back, banks going, let's put a hold on um, mortgages and things like that. And, uh, you know, I'm not concerned at this point about what happens behind that because that's another story. But sure. just being able to demonstrate that empathy has huge brand value in a time like this, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. Um, I mentioned before, you know, my favourite quote from Aristotle, you know, our, our actions and our behaviours are our morals shown in conduct. Um, my language around that, Donna, is people will get your truth. Over time, your intentions, your promises, your actions and your results will either promote you as being trustworthy or it will expose you as being not. Yeah. Uh, and I think what, what you mentioned there about um, you know, these decisions that some of these leaders in the corporations are making, and just notice my language around that too. I don't talk about corporations making decisions because corporations don't. It's the leaders and their people within the organisations. And th this was one of the biggest findings from the Royal Commission into banking and finance and superannuation um, was that it highlighted that even though we were talking about certain big brand uh, organisations, it was people that were making these decisions. And so um, I, I, we, we sort of we, we lovely loop back into that what this horrible pandemic has caused a spotlight, and I love your word around that. It has. It's caused caused a spotlight, um, and, and like I mentioned earlier on, imposed trust. It's caused a spotlight on self-trust. It absolutely has. Mm, mm. And, um, you know, that, that just popped out at me as you were talking about that, you know, where it could be swept under the carpet or you could get away with something, you, you can't because you're exposed for all you are and people have to accept you warts and all, so to speak, because, and, and we see that because, the, you know, there's 
plenty of meetings uh, go around the, the internet where people are, are trying to have, uh, you know, serious business meetings and the kids are playing in the background or a cat jumps on somebody's lap. And it, what it does is makes people a bit real. And I think when I think that also contributes to trust because um, if, if somebody is of the feeling of, uh, you know, I'm, I'm warming but I'm not quite sure and then something that makes them look human comes to the fore, that can really change someone's interpretation. It's an interesting... It, one, you're absolutely right. One of the things that we are seeing um, is that people that are working remotely and are doing these kinds of meetings, um, sometimes planned, sometimes unplanned, um, they're part of their personal life, which would normally never be shown, is is shown. Yeah. Um, and, and it's kind of like uh, this, this, this back of room, front of room idea. Um, and again, it brings back, I think, no, I know, it, it brings back the reality that this is really all about people, um, that, that that's what this world is about. You know, everything, everything else supports or doesn't um, the relationships that we have in our lives. Um, and without the relationships that we have in our lives, things just don't get done. Uh, and I think that's, again, you know, the spotlight is on people and it's on relationships and it's on humanity. Uh, and where that takes us, like it's all, it's all good at the moment. Um, no, well, sorry, it's not. It's it's very, yeah, I understand what you mean. It's all, it, it all seems to be operating at the moment. Yeah, people are saying the right things. Yes. And many people, not everybody, we've seen examples of, you know, people just not being at their best. Um, but, but there is this lovely focus on humanity at the moment. Where that goes long term, um, I'm hopeful. Um, but I'm also um, uh, cynical about it, um, that it's so easy to slip back once there's some new kind of normal, whatever that means. But that, you know, I, I just hope that we do keep focused on the importance of looking after our customers, looking after our colleagues, looking after our mates. Because when you do that, it should all just come, shouldn't well, it? Yeah, I think when, when relationships are going well in our lives, pretty much everything else is going okay as well. Um, that's professionally and personally. You know, if you're working in a toxic relation, you know, working in a toxic uh, work environment where relationships aren't great, uh, it's not a good place to be. No one wants to be in that. Um, so, and, and, and I think it's the same with, you know, this whole self-trust. You know, if you're struggling with who you are, um, working remotely is going to be not easy, no. not easy at all. Nah, that's for sure. Um, so, uh, well, you know, we're fast running out of time and I know you could talk the leg off a chair just much the same way as I could. Um, I have one final question before we sort of start to wrap up. What do you see happens when trust breaks down? And I know we've sort of alluded to it in various parts, but what do you see happen? A, a, a friend of mine, Vanessa Hall, wrote a book called The Truth About Trust and and, and she has this lovely saying um, that, that trust is fragile. And, and I really like that. That we, we, See, tr trust, this is where it all comes back to intention, Donna. Uh, and it, it, it is just, 
such a simple idea, um, but once you really get it, that I can make a mistake, an unintentional mistake. Mm-hmm. I didn't mean to do it. Um, and with Lizzie and, and I, my wife Liz, you know, um, if I make a mistake, Liz knows it was never intentional. I, I, because of the relationship we've had for, you know, 40 years. Um, but if I make an intentional mistake, we, and we've had examples of those, where, where, where people, um, they know that they are doing the wrong thing, but they hope that they don't get caught. Mm-hmm. Let's, let's think of some names. Lance Armstrong, um, the world cyclist. Mm-hmm. Y- you know, he, he just, he knew what he was doing was wrong. It was an intentional action. Um, when you look at uh, some of the stuff that came out of the Royal Commission, people knew that they were charging dead people for services. Um, that, that, you know, and so these are intentional actions. So, so when I make a mistake, a genuine mistake that was unintentional, trust might be slightly hurt but not irreparably um, damaged. And, but if I, if I constantly make that mistake, there's a question about my integrity. Yeah, and, and people see a sense, if it is unintentional, I, I believe people get a sense of whether you're authentic or not in your um, uh, in your apology in in what you say and and how you express yourself and not like you're reading from a cue card yeah apologizing in hindsight um, is when you're apologizing in hindsight before you get caught <laughs> that takes courage apologizing in hindsight after you get caught you're doing it because you got caught. Yeah. Exactly. And so, so I, and I know we're running out of time, but I want to, this, this is the most powerful question that any of us can ever ask about any action that we're about to take or a decision that we're about to make. It's called the light of day test, Donna. And, and I encourage everybody, me included, to, to listen to, to, to the, the, the value of this question. The question is this. With this action I'm about to take or this decision that I'm about to make, would I make the decision or take the action if it was held up in the light of day for all to see? Now, this is bringing us all the way back to uh, this idea of self-trust, trust in others and earning others' trust. Would I make the decision, take the action if my family knew about it? Would I be proud? If my customers knew about it, would I be proud? Um, Would they applaud me? If my suppliers knew about it, would they be proud? If my colleagues knew about it, would they be proud? If my leader knew about it, would they be proud? And it's this focus on on our decisions and our actions proactively rather than reactively that allows us to earn, build and maintain trust as opposed to reactively try and rebuild trust. 
Wow, you know, I, I really loved our conversation today, David. And, and as I said, you know, we could both talk the leg off a chair, let's be honest. Um, I mentioned two of your books at the start, but you've got five. Um, so I mentioned Intentionomics and the Art and Science of Building Customer Trust. Um, I hear there's a new book about to be released. Can you tell me a little about that one? Yeah, it's, um, it's been a work in progress now for about 18 months, um, but, but reality probably for all of my adult life, maybe all of my life. Um, the, the, the book's working title, and, and we're in the final edit stage now, is Living in the Light of Day. There's a little segue, thank you. Um, and and what, it's, what, what, it's, what it's basically doing is, is having this conversation that you and I are having. It's, it's bringing the world of um, uh, philosophy, um, of science, of applied positive psychology, um, of trust, uh, intention, um, and, and, and it's just posing the question and giving some answers, um, but evidence-based answers uh, around how do, we, how do we truly be at our best? Because it's, it's, it's so easy to say, um, you know, you've got to have a positive mental attitude. That's just such a, an old idea because there's some really serious stuff going on right now uh, and we need more than a positive mental attitude. We need to be able to find meaning in our lives um, about what makes us the, the best version of ourselves um, and what typically makes us the best version of ourselves is when we do good for other people. Uh, which brings us all the way back to our intention. Uh, so that's what the book's about. Um, it, it's, it's asking the question, how do we be the best version of ourselves? And, and does a little wind through this, this world of intention, of trust, um, and applied positive psychology as well. Awesome. So it sounds like a nice funnel point where you're taking a whole lot of your other books and bringing it down to distill your learning. So if people want, want that book and, uh, uh, and save themselves all the time, money and uh, effort associated with all your degrees, there's your book and your answer in one. Well, that's the idea. Um, I don't have all the answers, but um, posing some questions with some answers is a pretty neat way to go. So if people want to find out um, anything more about that, if they just Google David Penglaze, I that sounds just so weird for me to say that. <laughs> but um, that's that's the easiest way. And, you know, my website, there's, you know, newsletters and, you know, um, there's a Facebook page and there's a LinkedIn page, but use my name, use my name. That sounds <laughs> like a song. Awesome. It will be down the bottom of the banner just there so uh, people won't get it wrong, that's for sure. Um, look, David, I've loved having a chat with you today. It's always good to catch up. Thanks so very much for your time and your insights on trust. Thanks, everyone, for joining us for this Expert Insights episode. Until next time, this is Australian productivity and technology expert Donna Hansen. Have an amazing week. Thanks for listening to this edition of the Expert Insights Show. If you've enjoyed the show, why not subscribe via the podcast page on www.donnahanson.com.au or through iTunes, Google Play, TuneIn, or Stitcher. Until next time, as Donna says, don't forget to work smarter and not harder with technology.